Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hey, everybody. This is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for listening in on my podcast today. Today's topic is fostering e-commerce growth. And I'm joined today by Jonathan Kish. Say hello, Jonathan. Hi, Joe. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming to talk to me about e-commerce and also small parcel, which we'll get into. So a little story about where I met Jonathan. I do these podcasts and I talk to people all week long. I keep hearing small parcel and I keep hearing e-commerce. And it seems as if small parcel was somewhat underrated maybe for a long time because Nobody seemed to have great ways to deal with it. I mean, obviously, we have the big two. They're doing something. But I never never had enough information. So I went online looking for it on LinkedIn, and I ran across this great article that Jonathan wrote. We'll get into that in a minute. But his article was five common problems with e-commerce companies face with post-purchase experience. And I'll put a link to that article because I think it's a good one in the podcast notes. But before we get to that, Jonathan... Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us your background. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What'd you study? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So I I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and I studied political science at a school called SUNY Geneseo outside of Rochester, New York. Took a funny way to get into logistics, kind of flirted with stand-up comedy for a few years during college, but ultimately ended up selling small parcel to companies in Minnesota and Wisconsin for a few years before transitioning to selling more transportation management solutions and postal solutions to companies, specifically e-commerce companies in the Pacific Northwest for the past four years. Yeah. So your whole career has been on that side of the business. I'll call it the e-commerce small parcel side. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously coming into contact with LTL or full truckload along the way, but for the most part, directly selling into e-commerce companies or companies that need small parcel services. Jonathan, before we get into the five common problems that you describe, why don't you take us through some of the basics of e-commerce? Because not everybody works on it day to day. Yeah, Joe, I think when you're approaching e-commerce, at least as a shopper, right, you're doing one of two things. You're either buying something directly from a brand's URL and their website, or you're going to a major marketplace and buying something there as well. That experience is more of, I like to equate it to shopping in and a Target or a Walmart, right? You go in there, there's hundreds of thousands of SKUs and you grab your item as opposed to going on that brand site where every page is meticulously curated so that it feels um, and it conveys the message that they wanted to have for me as a shopper. Yeah. So John, if I could uh, step back for a second. So if I wanted to buy some specialized ski equipment, I might go directly to that website of that ski company that I like. And they're going to have, as you said, curated. They're going to have all their pretty pictures on there versus I might go to Amazon or eBay where I can get a whole bunch of reviews and stuff, but it's also not necessarily putting the brand's best face on. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And I think you had an interesting line there, right? Where you mentioned a ski company, like a pair of skis that you're really interested in. Well, in that case, it sounds like you have a company in mind. So you would probably go to their site first. But if you were looking for skis in general, you're probably going to go on a marketplace first to search for that item. 
Yeah, exactly. So we have branded versus marketplace. And now I know we're today we're only going to talk about the post-purchase experience. And that's from the time they click, yes, I want to buy that. Is that the, where that process begins? That's exactly when it starts, Joe. Okay, take us through starting there. What's that process look like before we get into the problems? Yeah, I think that when a lot of people think of e-commerce, they're thinking about everything before that buy button, like you mentioned, right? So getting people to go to your website, having them search your products, read your product descriptions, look at your sizes, and then look at the models on your site, obviously, right? But, but a big portion of getting people to buy at your site again and drive repeat purchases is the post-purchase experience. And that's everything that happens after the buy button, which includes shipping, tracking, returns, customer service calls, or Wismo emails, which is what they're known in the industry. So this is where the beautiful recipe gets a little ugly. <laughs> so when yeah. you're on their branded site, everything's beautiful. There's the mountain with the skiers on it. And I click, yes, I want to buy that. And that's where it gets ugly because now it becomes a little more real. It's got to move. Yeah. And it's funny you use the term ugly. I think that's that's a good description of it. It also becomes a little bit opaque as well, right? Because the customer has really experienced you for everything up until then. And now sometimes you're using companies that aren't your own, right? To deliver on the promise that you've made to the customer before they press button. Yeah. So when you wrote this article, who were you writing this for? Were you writing this for the branded companies that have branded websites? Yeah, I'm, I'm ideally writing it for people who are working in e-commerce departments or operations departments or logistics departments at mid-market companies that really want to sell off of their website, right? Because there's a huge financial benefit to that. Number one, you don't pay a fee to a marketplace. But then there's also the soft benefit of, like I've been talking about, controlling the entire journey. A customer is more likely to buy from your brand again if they've experienced the if they shopped on your site, as opposed to buying an item off a marketplace. Oh yeah. You go to a marketplace and you say, I'd like to buy this ski because I've been dreaming about it. And it pops up and says, Hey, that's cool. How about this ski instead? Yeah. yeah <laughs> not exactly what I want is go ahead. Not exactly what you want. Right. I think, I think it could be comparable to household products that you're going to buy on one of these marketplaces. Right. If you need disinfectant wipes, you're probably going to buy the least expensive one that day on your Amazons as your Ebays, as opposed to going for a specific brand. Okay. So let's get into this article you wrote. So who'd you write it for? Yeah. So I wrote it for ideally VPs of e-commerce, directors of e-commerce at these mid-market e-commerce companies that are trying to build an audience and build a brand and make an impression on the market. Well, I like it too. So so these today, our topic is fostering e-commerce growth. And I think that's kind of the inverse of what you wrote about. You wrote the five common problems to e-commerce companies face with post-purchase. And I think what you said to me when we were offline was, hey, by removing these barriers to growth that we're going to go through in a minute, this is how you grow your, your business online. So take us through it, Jonathan. Take those five common problems. But what's number one? <laughs> yeah, number one is that there's no single integrated solution that addresses consumer expectations in 2019 for web sales, right? So what marketplaces have done is they have made it so that shoppers have crazy high expectations. When I buy something, I expect it to get there in two days. But if I want it there in an hour, I want to have that option as well. 
I want to have alternative payment methods. I want to be able to potentially pay for that item later with their store credit, right? All of these expectations that have been kind of built into me as a shopper, I'm expecting and or at least I'm aware of when I go to a company site. And so for a mid-market company, they're, they're trying to design their site around these expectations, they find that no single provider can do everything that the marketplaces can do for them. And so they have to integrate piecemeal solutions along the way. Now that's okay to do if you have an enormous IT budget or a really a really extensive staff to be able to work on projects. But as we know, a lot of times you're going to choose one project to do per year or per half year, and you're going to put a Band-Aid on every other pain point that you have for that time. Yeah, so they don't get that integrated experience. They've got a whole bunch of little half-ass on the uh, integration. Yeah, and it's it's not by choice, right? You, you're just limited in your resources. You can't you can't spend all of your time fixing the post-purchase experience, or else you're going to completely forget about everything that happens before the buy button, right? It's just an opportunity cost that e-commerce directors have to face. Yeah. And again, we're talking about mid-market companies and maybe even smaller where, you know, there are not unlimited IT budgets to your point. So that's the number one, no integrated solution. What's number two? Yeah. And this is a big one, right? It's transportation companies are not a replacement for e-commerce partners. So while delivery companies out there across the U.S. are really good at doing just that, delivering parcels, I found that when they are designing or proposing their services to e-commerce companies, they're a little bit stringent when it comes to their solutions. And so what e-commerce companies really need are providers in the transportation industry that have solutions that are agile in nature and that are focused right on those expectations that marketplaces have put in the minds of those shoppers. Yeah, and Jonathan, you know, it's interesting you say that. So we talk about e-commerce and e-commerce developers and the business people who do that, and they are masters of the universe online. And then you talk about transportation companies, like most of the people I, who listen to this podcast are in transportation. We're really good on the road, but there seems to be a gap in there between online mastery and getting it done on the road. Yeah, and it makes sense too, Joe. I mean, when you think about it, these transportation companies have designed their networks over dozens or in some cases over 100 years, right? They didn't design their network around the needs of the shopper in 2019. There's very few companies who have been able to do that. Yeah, it's a tough, it's, we're still in the infancy of this whole trend towards online buying. So, Jonathan, what's number three? Yeah, and this is a big one. It's lost revenue and fewer site visits that are caused by customers tracking their orders on a carrier website. And so this is what happens nine out of 10 times, right? Is that as a shopper, when I receive a confirmation email and a tracking number to track my order, I click on it and I'm directed to one of the major carriers' websites. And while that's fine for the major carriers who are already getting millions and millions of visitors to their website a month, it does nothing for that company that I bought the item from. It's a missed opportunity. Not only is it missed insight into what I'm looking at, but it's missed. It's potentially missed revenue in upselling me on other items I'm interested in. We found that customers will go to track their item four to eight times after it's been purchased, right? So if somebody is going to your website an additional eight times, that's really, really valuable data and a really, really valuable 
just touch point that you can have with your customer that you're just giving away for free right now. We'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment. If you sell transportation or logistics services, the Logistics of Logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. We talked about these e-commerce guys, and they are the truly the masters of the universe online. And they probably spend a small fortune trying to keep you on their site. It's hard to get, I, I, I do a lot of websites. It's hard to get people to come to your site. And all you want is for them to stay. And then when they're tracking shipments, they leave your website. And here's the crazy thing. You're paying somebody to take them off your site. Yeah, you're paying someone to take them off your site. And that's another good point you made, Joe, is these companies, if they're not spending millions of dollars, right, on digital advertising to get you to come to their site, they're spending hundreds of hours of thought on it, right? Because like we talked about earlier, getting people to come to your site and buy your first time is the sexy part of e-commerce, right? It involves SEO, it involves social media influencers, all things that to be honest, are probably the reason people who are in marketing got into marketing to begin with. But what we're talking about here, right, is again, an additional eight opportunities potentially to interact with your customer on a really personal level. And I just think that those opportunities are something, to be honest, any brand really can't afford to lose out on, let alone one that's trying to establish their name in the market. So there are ways, though, that you don't have to leave to leave the site to track shipments, right? There are integrated solutions. Yeah, there, there are those companies out there that can provide an experience that would be, let's put it this way, a little more in sync with what your shopper experienced up until they tracked that package. Yeah, Jonathan, that's interesting. So I go to buy my skis on one of the marketplaces. And the first thing it says is, Joe, I know you came to buy those skis that you've been dreaming about, but how about these? Yeah. <laughs> Which is bad for the brand, good for the marketplace. And then uh, on my branded site, I kind of have a, you know, another big partner who says, yeah, if you want to track shipments, you got to take them off the site. Both imperfect. Yeah, neither is perfect. And again, when we get back into those consumer expectations, right, because of marketplaces, you now are accustomed to tracking a package on a site, right? Because you do it every day when you buy something from an eBay or an Amazon. And so again, to be able to do that directly on your site is a really, really unique opportunity to interact with your customer. No doubt. No doubt. So Jonathan, what is the number four barrier to growth or as you call it in your article, common problems that e-commerce companies face with post-purchase? Yeah, it's that. And there's no other way to put it, right? E-commerce companies overpay for small parcel delivery. So time and time again, you have companies out there that are defaulting to the biggest players in the market that are also priced at a premium level. And the main reason that I found, right, is that people in e-commerce and marketing have no idea that alternatives to the largest players in the market even exist. And that's because, right, you don't see the other carriers' trucks when you're on the street. But one thing I try to emphasize is that there are other carriers out there. And more importantly, those other carriers don't have the accessorial fees or the rate increases that some of the larger players in the market have. Yeah, Jonathan, I've been in transportation for a while. And one of the things I always say is if you have the opportunity to use some smaller trucking companies, smaller LTL companies, 
always a good deal because they know that they know the regions real well. They usually stick to their knit and they'll say, I only deliver to these three states, but I'm one day on all those. I pick up one day, deliver the next. And the same with those small parcel companies. There's a whole bunch of guys beyond the the big two. And I, and I know they do a good job. I've experienced that. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to emphasize, I think it's worth a conversation with either your current carrier, right? Or another potential vendor, because if you're getting a rate increase every single year, and that carrier isn't coming to you with ideas on how, like we've talked about before in this article, drive people to come back to your site and increase your sales, right? Or provide your customers with a better expectation. That to me isn't a justified rating. So <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And and again, I think also it without mentioning names, when you work with uh, big companies, sometimes you play by their own rules. They play by their rules and you're not going to be able to influence them to uh, bend a little bit especially if you're a mid-market company. Exactly. It's just the the cost of doing business with a company that's larger than yours. Yep. So the last one is... <laughs> yeah, it's that companies are losing out on repeat purchases due to an antiquated returns process. So as I say in the article, right, returns can make or break a business, especially brands that are trying to gain name recognition in the market. So painting this picture, if I'm going to a retailer's site to make a return, Joe, I'm already, for whatever reason, a little bit emotional and a little bit irritated at something along the process, right? So either the item doesn't fit me well, or I don't like the look and feel of it, or for whatever reason, the item when I get it doesn't match my expectations that I saw on the site, right? So I don't like it. I have to return it. So already I'm not happy. But then to expect me, a person who lives in Seattle, Washington, to get in my car and drive two miles, which might not seem like a lot, but could actually turn out to be 25 or 30 minutes in in the traffic in this city, right? To return that to a location that for whatever reason I have to, because that's what the brand told me I have to do, is likely going to make me not buy from that site again, right? What I'd much rather do, just being someone, again, who lives in Seattle, Washington in an apartment, is I'd rather give that item to my mail driver who comes to my apartment every single day because I don't even have to leave. Oh, yeah. I've returned stuff where I just put it in my mailbox and they just stop by and pick it up. I like that better. I will say this also is I'm like anybody else. I buy something and then when I have to return it, it sits on a box on my counter and I work from a home office and I walk by it for at least two or three days before I go, all right, time to go and take it into the return center, which is one of the small parcel places. I'm not a big fan. And it's funny, I've done it enough times where I know it's going to take a little bit of time and uh, I procrastinate because I don't want to do it. Yeah. And more importantly, again, if you if it's if it's a burden to return it once, right, it's going to prevent you from buying again. You know, I've seen studies that say that 49% of shoppers won't even buy from a company's site if the return policy isn't, number one, clearly defined or be easy enough for me as a shopper. And that's a really powerful number. So you're losing out on half of your potential visitors if the return policy isn't what consumers expect. Another part of that too, though, is on the refund side, right? So if you're shipping something to a customer that's across the country from you, right? So let's take Seattle as an example. If my customer is in New York City and they return that item to my distribution center in Seattle, that might take five or six business days to ship that item back to my facility. And then I better hope that one of my shipping clerks opens that right away, inspects the item for quality, and lets my customer service team so that credit can be refunded to that shopper. And so sometimes we see 
we see companies that make their customers wait eight, nine, 10 days to receive refunds if they're on the other coast. And that's just completely unacceptable. Oh, especially if you bought something, let's just say I'm going on that ski trip and I'm I'm going to Colorado on March 1st and I don't get now I don't have my skis. But on top of that, potentially, I don't have the money in my bank account to maybe go get another set. Exactly right. You're 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 floating the money as a shopper, which, again, you know, you might be willing to do for one or two days, but you're certainly not going to wait eight, nine, like we said, 10 business days, which sometimes, you know, can be two, three weeks. Yeah. And, you know, there's another thing to this, uh, another aspect to this, which is it took a long time for people to become used to buying online. So I'm a 50 something guy. I buy online, but I wasn't the first one doing it. I was still going to the mall. And then after a while you hear, well, you know, these marketplaces are trustworthy. I guess I can buy stuff online. That trust still has to be earned at some of these branded sites. And when I go to those sites, and I think I told you while we were prepping for this, that at Christmas time, my daughters both said, oh, I want this, this, and this. And I had to buy it at branded sites because it wasn't on any of the marketplaces. And I was a little nervous about it. And I'm not super paranoid, but, you know, I was like, what are these companies like? Are they, you know, is it fly by night? And am I, I going to get ripped off? Will I be able to return it? All those things that... You know, the marketplace has earned my trust 10 years ago, but these companies, I've never heard of them. Yeah, I think you make a really good point, right? To where, you know, if you're shopping on somebody's website, you're already doing something that's probably out of the ordinary for you as a shopper and a consumer. And so just kind of getting back to to everything we've talked about, if for whatever reason, my purchase and post-purchase experience isn't smooth, I'm not going to buy from you again because it's too difficult. Okay, Jonathan, so just I'll summarize for a second, then maybe you can uh, wrap this up. So you talked about five, I'll call them barriers to growth, that these are five problems that e-commerce companies need to solve, and they're all in the post-purchase. Number one is they don't have one single integrated solution and that addresses all the customer expectations. Number two is transportation companies. They're great, but they aren't necessarily a replacement for an e-commerce partner. Number three, lost revenues and fewer site visits because you're being taken off the website to track your shipment. Number four, e-commerce companies overpay for small parcel. And number five, e-commerce companies lose money because the returns process is clunky and maybe out of date. Correct? Correct, <laughs> Correct Joe. And, and I think one, one takeaway that I would kind of have and what I'd like to pass on to people is that there are options out there not just to help you with these five problems, but other problems in the post-purchase experience, but you do have to do a little digging. But in my opinion, right, it's well worth taking a meeting with someone and having a conversation from a perspective you didn't even know existed than losing out on a repeat sale. Yeah, there's the, the transportation world is growing up fast to try and figure out how to support e-commerce. I think we did probably an awful job until just a few years ago. So very positive direction. So Jonathan, tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, uh, currently, I'm a sales director with Pitney Bowes here in the Pacific Northwest. And if you are interested in contacting me, feel free to reach me on LinkedIn or sending me an email at jonathankish13 at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Yeah. And so I know you guys address these problems and more. What I'll do, Jonathan, is if anyone wants to reach out to you, talk to you, continue the conversation, I'll put your LinkedIn profile in the podcast notes. 
and your email information. So if anyone wants to contact you, they can. I appreciate the time. Jonathan, this has been great because, I, again, I, I think we talked offline. E-commerce is kind of a new animal for a lot of us. I mean, I'm used to manufacturers and retailers and all the stuff that we've all worked on for many years. But this is a different animal, and I think it takes a different solution set. Yeah, and, and something that we kind of talk about internally, right, is companies spend 99, right, 98% of their time on the pre-purchase experience. They spend all that time getting you to go to their site and you completely forget about them a lot of times after they buy from you. And so writing this article, I just want to shed a little bit of light on, like we talked about earlier, the unsexy part of e-commerce. Oh yeah, and, and they're the masters of the universe online, but once they leave online, they get into the ugly place where us transportation guys hang. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jonathan, again, thank you so much for taking the time. And everybody who's listening, thank you so much for your support. Thanks, Jeff. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com.